0: Amen. Amen. Lord, that's our heart. Lord, you would not only be with us or in us, but upon us, pouring out upon us, flowing out of us on the world around us. And so, Lord, we come and we ask that we be emptied of ourselves and filled with you. Less of us, more of you. May you be glorified in our lives. Lord, we come humbly. We lay our lives at your feet. And Lord, we say, use us. Father, we pray for our time in the Word that you'd be our teacher. Everything that happens here tonight, may you be glorified. Lord, I pray that tonight would be more than uh, a time of study. Lord, we want to study. We want to spend time in your Word. But Lord, a time of intimate fellowship with you. Lord, that we would meet you here. That we would hear from your heart. And Lord, we would leave here impacted. So we just thank you. We praise you. We glorify and magnify your most holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. It's so good to see you. I love getting together with my family on Wednesday nights, amen? amen? That's what we are here. We're a family. If you come, you're part of Calvary Chapel. You're a part of the family. That's how it works. No membership. Just come. You're part of it. Uh, a couple things. Turn your Bible to Genesis uh, 31. If you'll remember last week, we got most of the chapter, well, two-thirds of the chapter or so. We're going to finish off the chapter tonight, and then at the end of that, we something I wanted to do on Sunday, but as your pastor does sometimes, I get a little fired up and teach too long, but um, we're going to break into prayer groups tonight. So if you want to run out of the building now, time to go. But guys, shall make my Father's house a house of prayer. Amen. And we have things to pray for, people to pray for. We talked about divine appointments on Sunday. We want to see God do great and awesome things in us and through us. We need to be praying more. We need to be praying for people by name. I want to tell you that revolutionized my my, uh, life as a witness for Christ. When I not only prayed for opportunities throughout the day, but I started praying specifically for people by name. And I didn't make the list easy either. I try to find those, so I thought, there's no way that guy's getting saved. I really need to pray. And you know what? It's amazing how when you begin to pray and you really trust that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, you'll have the guy at work. I have one example that always comes to mind, a guy by the name of John Keitlinger, who used to mock my faith openly. I've had very few people. I've had people mock my faith behind my back, but not that many who do it to my face. He did it to my face, and he did it with a great amount of joy. And when I would pray in, a, in, a, in the uh, lunchroom, he would come by and go, ah, while I was praying. And he would just make fun of God and he'd say Jesus was a great magician and na, 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 and And I, I remember as God was giving me a list of guys to pray for, he was on the list and I thought, boy, what a waste of time putting him on that list. There's no way that guy's getting saved. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but I certainly thought it in my mind. This guy is as far as they come. And to make a long story short, About six months later, I led him to the Lord, I baptized him in my swimming pool, and he would come and sit in the front row of the youth group just to be taught the Bible. So our God can do that, amen? Amen. So don't limit God, start praying for people by name and watch and see what God will do. So we're going to do that at the end of our time tonight. Also, um, I wasn't going to do this, but I will. We are, here's where we are with the building situation. Some of you think, Pastor Dave mentions it and he doesn't say anything for months, what happened? We still thinking about that? Or is that still happening? You know, I'm just not one to put the church on the roller coaster ride. Okay, we're talking now. We're not. yet yeah, okay. I don't like doing that. I just don't like doing that. You know, every week, oh, we, oh, we're talking with them. Now we're not. Oh, we walked away. Now we didn't. And so sometimes I just kind of like to get to a point of where we're near a resolution where you can pray. So here's the situation. We had one building that we had signed a letter of intent to lease. And then, to make a long story short, they changed things and a couple of our guys just said, man, we can't deal with those people, they're not very honest, and we walked away from them, but not until I'd had a divine appointment at my son's football practice to sit next down to the guy sat down next to the guy who had sold the building to those people, knew what they paid for it, knew what their rent was, knew them very well, gave us some really godly counsel. We listened, we walked away, and after a while, they came back and said, we'll give you everything you want. God can do that, right? Right? Well, in the meantime, of them coming back and saying, we'll give you everything you want at the price that you said, we're willing to do it now, God can do that. In the meantime, the building two doors down from there has an opening that would actually be better for us in some ways. And so we're negotiating with them at the same time. So on Monday at 3 o'clock, we're meeting with the guys from the first building, and hopefully at 4.30, we're meeting with the guys from the second building. And it's kind of good to have two guys with buildings fighting with each other. It's kind of a good thing. So one of them, they're two doors apart, one of them has some great things. It's got a gymnasium that we would have use of for the youth group. It's got a cafe right on the property. The other one is all on the lower floor. Here's the good news. God knows. He's faithful. And you know what? There's, people are saying, well, well, Pastor Dave, it's an economic difficult time. Are we really thinking about moving the church in the midst of economic difficulty? I don't know. Did God send David to fight an 11-foot, 750-pound man when it didn't make sense to the world? Is our God greater than that? Yes, He is. So, be in prayer. We'll be, when we get into our prayer time, just know that I could be up here next Wednesday telling you that we've signed a lease on a building and now it's going to the city. We'll see. If not, it's okay. In their peace that God's in control? Amen? So, just want you guys to know that. Be praying about it. Now, we titled the message last week. We're gonna, I'm going to review some of it. I'm going to hit on some of the verses last week that I felt like I went through kind of quick at the end of the message. We're going to look at the portion we didn't look at. And Lord willing... We're going to have time at the end to spend some time in prayer. So I titled a message last week, interestingly enough, knowing when it's time to move on. Isn't that interesting? Knowing when it's time to move on. It was time when Jacob was to move on. And here it is, Calvary Chapel, Santa Cruz. We're praying about the very same thing. But Jacob had spent 20 years serving his father-in-law. Jacob had been a faithful man. Jacob wasn't always perfect. He had made some bad decisions. He had taken a third and fourth wife after being deceived to take a second one, or the first one that he didn't want. That, you know, we know the story. Rachel was the one that he loved, and his father-in-law deceived him. We saw the deceiver, Jacob, being deceived by Laban, his father-in-law. And we see just a very clear picture of how God will allow us to taste our own medicine sometimes. He'll allow us to find out what it's like when we're someone who's always deceiving others. Sometimes he'll allow us to find out what it's like to be on the receiving end. Jacob had deceived his brother, well, tempted his brother, and deceived his father. And now he gets a taste of his own medicine in that you know he fooled his father in his blindness, and now he is fooled in darkness to think that Leah is Rachel. He pretended to be his older brother to his dad and Laban sends in the older sister to him. And again, it's not by chance that these things happened. But now time has gone by. He said, I'll work seven years for Rachel and he worked seven years and got Leah. And then he agreed to work seven more years for Rachel. So the 14 years had gone by. He was willing to leave without anything but the clothes on his back. And he comes to an agreement with his uncle Laban, who he should have been very leery of to begin with. And he says to him, I'll remain. I'll keep your flocks. But you just give me the spotted and the streaked, the speckled and the streaked of the animals and the brown, you know, the brown animals. Give me the the off animals, give me the lesser animals, and I'll remain. And we know what happened, that as he began to breed the animals, he had seen in a vision, as we saw last week, God showed him that it would be the streaked and the speckled that would come in great amounts, and God provided for Jacob. God was the one who came through. When his boss, when his father-in-law, who's also his uncle, was treating him unfairly, God was faithful. Guys, if your boss is being unfair... If you feel like you're not being treated the way that you should be, you just keep doing your job in a way to honor the Lord and trust him to provide. Until he tells you it's time to move on. Well, as we saw last week, we came to the point where we told him it was time to move on. It was time. Now, how did he know? First of all, and again, I want to make sure we're very clear about this. He became discontent. Now, discontentment alone is never enough. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, we'd be moving all the time, wouldn't we? I mean, we just get discontent way too easy. I know I do sometimes. And we can look in a fit of rage or one moment and think, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. How many divorces would there be? Right? You know what? Well, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. You know what? And that's not God's highest. By the way, the movie Fireproof is now going to be playing in Monterey, for those of you who haven't seen it. So it's playing in Monterey starting Friday. I'm taking my wife, so I would encourage you guys to go down there and see it. But you guys who went to Emeryville, God bless you. But now it's in Monterey. <laughs> A little closer now, all right? But different circum- difficult circumstances provoked by Laban and by his sons, they began to look at him in a way, he knew things were getting rough, he, his father-in-law wanted to rip him off, but this discontentment alone is not a sufficient reason to leave. The second thing we saw last week, along with discontentment, and this is key, was divine direction. If God is leaving, leading us, it shouldn't just be, This us use us as a case. Just because maybe we're discontented with this building, now we're going to go find another one. You know, maybe there is some discontentment. Maybe there's some concern about the adequate facilities for the children's ministry or whatever it might be. But that in and of itself should not be enough. It must be that God has spoken. And that's exactly what happens. The Lord shows up and certainly we see that Jacob is discontented. Jacob has been there 20 years. He only promised seven. He's given 13 extra years. He knows that God has already told him that you belong back in the land of promise. And back in the land of promise is where I'm going to multiply you greatly. Through you is going to come the Messiah. I promised you that. Remember, the Lord showed up to him and spoke directly to him as he was sleeping. Jacob's ladder. Remember, the angels ascending and descending. You're not by yourself. I'm with you. But he waited till he heard from the Lord. And as far as we know... There was 20 years of silence. I think you've been praying a long time for something. 20 years. He didn't have a Bible to turn to. He didn't have church place to go in fellowship. This is before the law had even been given. And in the midst of all of that, he's being faithful. Guys, if God hasn't told you what's next, be faithful to what he's told you already. Amen? Too often, we just, we're just we trying to find the next thing instead of being faithful to the thing he's already told us. He'd already told him, go and find your wife and you be faithful there. Well, he's being faithful and he keeps being faithful until finally God shows up and says, okay, time for you to go back to your family. Time for you to go home. He spoke directly to him. And again, we should never leave until God tells us to. And then finally, he got confirmation through godly counsel. His own wives came and said to him, you know what? Our father has mistreated us. He's sold us. He's treated us like possessions. You know what? Whatever the Lord has told you to do, do it. Boy, that's good counsel. Amen. Whatever the Lord has told you to do, do it. And so he now has the confirmation. He has the word of the Lord, divine direction. He's been discontented. And now he tries, he begins to leave. And depending on people's perspective, he either runs to avoid confrontation or he leaves hoping not to have an unnecessary confrontation. He's just saying, okay, Lord told me to go, so we know what happens. His father-in-law goes three days away to shear the sheep, and while he's gone, he gathers up his belongings, which were great, all all the cattle, all the goats, everything that God had blessed him with, his four wives, his his 11 sons, 12th one coming, 11 sons and one daughter, and off they go. And they get a three-day head start. And as we said, the second part of the message from last time was not only do we see that the three factors that led to departure, but know that when you step out in faith, you will face opposition. So Jacob responds by faith. He leaves quietly. Well, when we get to ch- verse 22, guess what? Laban is going to pursue him. And he's going to pursue him with anger. Laban finds out. He catches word that after 20 years of being blessed, because Jacob was there, Jacob has left. And though he's going to say his motivation is one thing, we really know the heart of Laban. You know, it's not what he says in the five minutes that he gets to finally catches up to him that we believe. It's a character we've seen in 20 years of serving him. Guys, too often we think, you know, a a quick apology is going to wipe away. And again, if someone apologizes to you, you should receive it. You should forgive them. But know this, 20 years of character, it's hard to wipe out in five minutes of empty words. And that's exactly what happens with Laban. Let's begin there in verse 22. We're going to review this. We'll go through it fairly quickly, but I really want to get to portions that we went over uh, faster than I wanted to. And then we're going to see the final uh, 13 verses that we hadn't touched on. And it says there in verse 22, And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. So now we see that he takes his brethren with him. They're chasing them down. Why? Not because, as he's going to say later, I wanted to kiss my daughters goodbye. He's really chasing him, desiring, I believe, Pastor Dave's opinion, I think the text backs it up, to kill him. And to take all the cattle and all the stuff back. Because as we know, back earlier in the chapter, his son said, you have taken our glory. You've taken our, he has taken our wealth. And the word for wealth there is glory. And isn't it interesting how the world equates wealth with glory where we equate it with God's provision. They say, that's our glory. You've stolen my glory. But we can say, hey, it's God's provision. And if the world takes it, God will replace it if I need it. Amen? Amen. We see here Laban and his sons, he's taken our glory, let's chase him down, let's get our glory back. Boy, if you're going to get your glory back by getting stuff, you got the wrong glory, amen? But then it says in verse 24, but God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. We touched on this last week, but I think this is key. Notice that God is the one who protects Jacob. Notice Jacob is not a defender of himself. He doesn't stand up for his rights. But God comes to the very one who's chasing him down, and he says to him, Laban, idol-worshipping Laban, hears from Almighty God, isn't that good? And he says to him, Laban, don't say a word to him. He's my son. He belongs to me. He's mine. You don't say anything good or bad. Guys, we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, amen? The world has nothing to tell me. People say to me, Pastor Dave, aren't you carrying that a little bit too far? Don't you think the world has some good things? No. No. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, the guy's really wise. If he doesn't know God, how wise is he? Amen? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom. And too often we think, oh, I'm going to run to this guy because he's really wise. Well, if he's going to hell, how wise is that? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Amen? Give me godly counsel. And he says to this ungodly man who is very wealthy at this point and says to him, you don't say a word to my son. You keep your mouth shut. You don't say anything good. You don't say anything bad. And you know what? We know that Laban believed it. And we know that Laban knew. Ooh, I say something. I'm in trouble. But what's amazing to me is he feared God enough not to speak the words lest he be smote, but not enough to fall on his face and seek forgiveness. Now his real fear, real godly fear ends in repentance. Not just a a desire to keep from getting in trouble. Too many Christians today only fear God enough because they're afraid of getting in trouble when it ought to be we fear him enough to lay our lives at his feet and say, Lord, I surrender. There's a difference between surrender and a desire to keep from having to face consequences. Verse 25, so Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched pitched in the mountains of Gilead. So early in the morning, he's overtaken. And Can you imagine what it must have been like when Laban rides into camp? Jacob's running quickly, no doubt they're moving at a breakneck speed. You know, they know that at some point he's going to find out, and there's a good chance he's going to chase us. And all of a sudden, they haven't quite got back to the land of promise yet. They've traveled several hundred miles, but he's caught up to them. And he rides into the camp, and you can imagine what everybody must have thought. Uh Uh-oh, here comes Laban. You know what? There might be a time in your own walk with the Lord. There might be a time in your own life and here comes the enemy's biggest tool and he's showing up and you think, "Uh uh-oh. But guys, here's the good news. God is in control. The good news is our God is greater. Guys, our circumstances, our enemy is only great if our God is small. If our God is great and he is great, then no circumstances are great. They're all small. And no enemy is great they're all small. So here comes uncle, father-in-law, deceiver, Laban. Comes in, chases down Jacob. Jacob had wanted to leave without a confrontation. Guys, we can try to avoid confrontation. Doesn't mean it's always going to happen. We can do it with the best intent in our heart. We can walk away. We can leave it. Guess what? They may chase you down. And that's exactly what has happened. But when they do, we need to continue to respond in a godly way. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives captives taken with the sword. You stole my daughters. Did he really? He's making a false accusation. He worked 14 years for the daughters. When he could have worked a year and a half for the one he really wanted. He had given him six more years. He had given him 20 years. He had stole nothing away. But often when the enemy comes, his accusations are going to be false. And we shouldn't get all wound up when the the enemy tells lies about us. He's the chief of liars. Amen? He's the father of lies. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the father of lies. Amen? So when we speak the truth, we're being Christ-like. When we tell lies, we're being... Satan-like. Ooh, I, didn't, I don't like that. I was just telling a little white lie because I was late for work. No, you're being Satan-like. Oh, man, I, I didn't come for that. It's true, though, isn't it? Amen? We need to speak the truth. Speak it in love. Don't make excuses. Don't lie. Tell the truth. It didn't matter. You know what? It's better to be a man or a woman of godly character who would rather die with conviction and live with compromise. One who would rather tell the truth and reap the consequences than tell a lie to avoid them. Amen? So here we see him coming. He could have, he's telling lies about him and he now is going to be faced with his father-in-law. Why did you flee away secretly, verse 27, and still away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with temporal and harp. Do you think that's true? I would have sent him away, as I said last week, with a dagger in the back. There's not a doubt in my mind that his whole focus was on the physical. Don't be surprised when someone who doesn't know God acts like they don't know God. But here we have Laban coming with evil and wicked intent, with one thought on his mind, to get his stuff back, to get his daughters back, to take everything away, to slay Jacob. But guess what? God's greater. We're indestructible till God's through with us. There's nothing the enemy can do unless God allows it. And so I was going to throw a party for you if you just stayed. Don't you love how the enemy does that? Just keep walking with me. It'll be great. No, it won't. You seek to steal, kill, and destroy. And that was certainly what was on Laban's heart as well. He says, you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you've done foolishly in so doing. Again, his empty words could not overcome 20 years of self-centered greed. Those daughters you say you wanted to kiss, you sold them out. Those sons, grandsons, that you say you wanted to show affection, are the very ones you wanted to steal all the cattle from so they would starve on their way home. Your character has been revealed over 20 years, not just the words you say in a moment. This speaks volumes to me, that it's so important that I be a man of godly character, not just a man of flowery words, amen? Guys, we're witnesses more by our actions than we are by our words. Christianity, is, it's been said, is often more caught than taught. Living out loud for Jesus Christ, sometimes you never even have to use your mouth. You can live out loud for him in a way by just the way you do your job, by the way you treat your neighbors, by the way they see you treating your spouse, by the, the person that you are, the character. And guys, the saddest part is we can do just the opposite. We can have ungodly character that ruins all the testimony in the world. Can I tell you that I walk in fear and trembling daily that I would ever do anything that would take 20 years of ministry and destroy it in a moment. Take heed lest we fall, amen? However long you've been walking with God, all the people you've shared your faith with, be careful. Laban, his words are flowery. His words sound good, but we know his character because we've been watching him for 20 years and we can't trust Anything he says. Jacob had been faithful, obedient to all God asked him to do. He did not leave until God had told him to. Jacob sought to please and honor God, and Laban sought only worldly riches and the approval of men. Jacob has a spiritual focus, Laban has a physical one. That is almost always going to end up in a confrontation of some type. If you decide and purpose in your heart to serve God with your whole heart, don't be surprised when you're going to run into those who have just the opposite attitude. Today, I was on a sales call. I prayed for my customers by name. Prayed for this guy. I had him last year. He was last year the foulest mouthed human being I had ever met on a sales call. And guess what? He's living up to his name. Nothing's changed. But we go in and we start talking. I prayed all the way there. Lord, give me a chance to share Jesus with this guy. This guy's pretty rough. This guy's really rough. And I got there and just being his same old rough self, they started telling me about a trip he took to China and he's talking about China. I said, boy, that really kind of reminds me of my time in India. Oh, what were you doing in India? Oh, here we go. (laughs) Here comes an opportunity to share Jesus Christ, amen? By the time we were done, he put his arm around me. He didn't get saved. I'm gonna keep praying for him. But he put his arm around me and said, young man, you keep walking your faith because it's young men like you that give me hope for the future of our country. And I said, wow praise the Lord. I just shared Jesus with you, and that's how you, okay. But here's the point. keep I'm going to keep praying for him, but I should not be surprised if we're walking in the Spirit that we're going to run into those who are walking in the flesh. Amen? And Jacob, guess what? Here comes my father-in-law, and he's a fleshly man. And you know what? We can respond to the flesh with the flesh, or we can respond with the Spirit. And we're going to see that Jacob He's going to do well for a minute, but it's not going to last. We saw it last week. I know I'm going over this again, but I think last week we went over it a little too quick. I think there's such key points in here. Verse 30. Verse 29. It is in my power to do you harm. Is that true? No. Who's in control? Okay. It's in no one's power to ever do us harm unless God says so. Amen. So he says, it's in my power to do you harm. Here's here's how the fleshly man thinks. My power to do you harm. I'm bigger than you. I'm greater than you. I'm stronger than you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Nothing the world can do to me unless God says so. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father, the God of who? Your father. But your God showed up and restrained me. Isn't that amazing? Your God, in the word there, Jehovah, your Jehovah showed up. And now because your Jehovah showed up, here's what he says. He showed up and spoke to me last night saying, Be careful that you not speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. I understand why you left, Jacob. You want to go home. No doubt you've been wanting that for a very long time, but why did you steal my gods? I won't go spend as much time as I did last week, but again, what kind of god do you have if he can be stolen? Can you imagine? How lame is that? Come home from your house, oh man, somebody broke in, babe, what would they get? They got the TV, the VCR, and they stole God. (laughs) What are we going to do? God's gone. I went into God's room, someone took him put out an APB. Someone stole God. Can you find him? What'd you lose? TV, BCR, and God. Guys, how pathetic is that? Aren't you glad that we don't have a God we have to take care of, as I said last week, but a God who takes care of us, amen? So you stole my God. I, I, I would, I, how can you not laugh, dude? What are you talking about? But instead, we're going to see here that Jacob, this is where Jacob's about to finally have it. Jacob's just about had enough. We're going to see he's Getting a little tired. You contrast the God of your father, the blessed that, you know, the one who blessed all that Jacob has touched. Think of Laban for a minute. I love to put myself in this story in the Bible. Kind of stand in Laban's shoes for a minute. Okay, the God of your father, you know, the one who blessed you, the one who made a covenant with you, the one who appeared and spoke to you and, and told you to go home, the one who blessed me because you were in my place, because you stayed where I was, the one who is. I've openly admitted I've been blessed because you've been with me. Yeah, your are God. But my God was stolen. Your God told you, your God told me not to touch you, but you stole my God. I was going to ask him what he thought about what your God said, but I couldn't find him. He's lost. And so I don't know what to do now because you stole my God. Now, again, all of this is his way of trying to trip up Jacob, trying to get his stuff back, because that's all he was worried about. And he comes and he makes these accusations. Guys, we don't need the gods of this world. Amen. And there are gods in this world. So many of them. And we don't need the ungodly counsel of this world. Let's trust only in the Lord. So now here's the clear conscience of a faithful walk. Now watch what Jacob says. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take Your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let them live. Let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know what Rachel had stolen. Remember last week that the gods had been stolen. Rachel took them. Some believe that she took them because they were a symbol of the inheritance. The gods went with the one who was supposed to be given the inheritance when the father died. And maybe it was going to be something she produced after he died in order to get the inheritance she thought she had been robbed of. But no no matter what the case was, it was wrong. We don't steal because we think we have a good reason. Amen? And we certainly don't bring false gods into our house. It also could be that she was potentially saying, well, just in case. Just in case the God of Jacob... God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah. Just in case I need a fallback plan, let me hold on to this God too. And guys, we see people doing that today. I have a coworker who asked me just yesterday. He said, so, so Dave, you don't believe in reincarnation? I said, absolutely not. You don't? No. He said, cause he said to me, well, maybe we were friends in a past life. I said, dude, I don't think so. He said, well, we got so much in common. I said, well, we need to have more in common. He said, really, what's that? I said, Jesus Christ. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I said, you can't believe in Jesus and reincarnation, bro. It is appointed for man once to live and then to die and then to judgment. You can't stand before Almighty God and go to heaven or hell and have reincarnation and come back over and over and over again. Those both can't be equally true, amen? He's like, well, I was just wondering. I wanted to know where you stood. I go, bro, Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. That's the answer. So pray for him. His name is Skip. He sits right across from me. That's a divine appointment. Amen. I'm glad he's there. But here's the point. The point is this, that it's not the gods of this world. It's not holding on to a second God like Rachel had done, having a second thing to fall back on. Well, if the thing with God doesn't work out, guys, if we're going to serve God, we got to be all in. Amen. Amen. All in, everything, all of me. I still love the man who said, when they passed the offering plate, I wanted to put myself in the plate. I love that because he said, you know what? Giving him my money's not enough. Giving him my time's not enough. I want to give him me. Amen. That's the right answer. All in, no backup plan, Rachel. And guess what? Because she's trying to hold on to the world, it's going to bring consequences at least the ones we're seeing now, to her family. So a lost world puts its faith in dead gods. Look at verse 33. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and set on them. And Laban searched all about the tent but did not find them. She said to her father, let it not displease my Lord, but I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. And he searched but did not find the household idols. Here's what happens. He goes first to Jacob because that's where he's hoping to find him. I need an accusation against that guy. I wasn't there. He goes to Leah. Well, I did you know, make her pretend to be her sister. She's probably not real happy with me. I'll go to her tent. Then he gets to Rachel and Rachel has to tell a lie to cover up for stealing. She says, you know, I'm, I'm at that time of the month, I can't rise, it'd be unclean, I need to sit here, and her dad's not going to argue with that, that uh, you know, excuse, okay. And so he walks away, and it's not found out. But guys, sin is sin whether the world finds it out or not. Amen? It's not just if the world finds it out, but it's still sin. And we know that sin indeed has consequences. Now, we need to respond to the world's accusations in love not anger but watch how Jacob responds I talked to a couple of you afterward last week and this one reason I want to go over this again and I went through it fast last week some of you said well isn't it okay that he got angry I mean the Lord said don't speak to him good or bad and he spoke so he's justified in being angry really some people think that way righteous anger guess what, guys? When I look at Scripture, I see the Lord getting angry about what? About people turning his father's house into a den of thieves. But even at sin, he's not angered, he's broken. He weeps. When Lazarus died and he saw the the consequences of sin, he didn't get angry, he wept. Amen? And I believe as believers That while there's righteous anger within us, it should be manifested in concern, in love, in brokenness. Amen? You go to Galatians 5.22, and it says, And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, anger. No, it doesn't say that. It says self-control, doesn't it? Under the control of our Master. So I do believe that Jacob here is wrong. I believe some of the words, much of the words he says are right. But guys, it's not just the message that we speak. It's not just speaking the truth, but it's speaking the truth in love. Because the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Amen? Too often, I think one of the reasons we lose our opportunity to witness to somebody is not really the words we speak, but the attitude with which we speak them. You can look at somebody... If they know that you love them, and you can say to them, bro, no, reincarnation, no. I don't believe in that. I believe in a God who came, loved us so much, he sent his son to suffer and die that we might have eternal life. I don't believe it's some random thing where my spirit flops into a frog next time. I'm not buying that. I believe that God is greater than that, more in control than that. He loves us more than that, and he loves you more than that. And I'm praying for you that you'll come to know him the way that I do. You know what? That's a better message than screaming and yelling at somebody. Amen? Or losing our temper or getting angry. And we all want to sometimes, don't we? There are things that make me angry. Don't like it. But Lord, help me. Help you. Help us. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to him, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? And again, does he have a reason to respond? He's finally popped a cap. 20 years, dude. You, you lied to me about the daughter, then you lied to me again, and then, and then now you changed my wages and you've been ripping me off. I had enough of you. It's righteous anger, man. I'm finally at a place where I popped a cap. You know what? When we get to the next chapter, we're going to see Jacob wrestling with God. You know why? Because God had more work he, needed, he was going to do, needed to do in Jacob's life. Amen? He's going to pop his hip out of joint. Why? Because that brother needs to be broken. Amen? Now Jacob, God's already done a work in his life, but this brother's not fully broken yet, and it's shown in his anger. A broken man is not an angry man. He's a kind and loving and a gracious and a merciful man. And we see here that Jacob is not quite there yet. And then he says, although you searched all my things, what part of your household have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that you may judge between us both. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten the rams of your flock. He's reminding him, look, I've gone above and beyond the call of duty. Guys, can I encourage you with something? We should go above and beyond the call of duty and then never talk about it. Amen. It's, if we're going above and beyond the call of duty and then we're making sure to brag about it or tell people about it or remind people of it, ah, bad play. If God wants it to become a testimony, let him do it. Let others testify. If someone else comes and says, hey, you know what, that guy's a godly man. Look at the way he works. Let God do that if he chooses to do that. But you don't be speaking about yourself. Now, again, he's pointing to what the Lord had done and praise God. He's saying, look, you were blessed because I was there. But notice when I was there, I didn't take from you. I only gave to you. And now here you are chasing me down. There I was, verse 40. Oh, excuse me, verse 39. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. Again, in those days, usually, if you lost an animal while you were watching them, it was the loss of the one you were watching. He was saying, when that happened, I just replaced it from my own flock. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day, in the drought, Could the drought consume me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Look, I served you faithfully, whether it was cold or hot, when I had no sleep, no matter how difficult the circumstances. Guys, can I encourage you? This is a great testimony of how we ought to live, but again, we need not be bragging about it. We need to serve God no matter what the circumstances, Amen. Be faithful. Character is not something that's based on our circumstances that I'll follow God when things are good. That's not character. That's doing things my way. Character is things aren't easy and I'm going to serve God anyway. Verse 41. Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flocks. You've changed my wages 10 times. Laban, you're a dog. That's what he's saying, right? Laban. Better off to let God, you know, God had already told him, here's what he said to Laban. Laban, shut up, pretty much, right? The the Dave paraphrased version of the verse. Hey, Laban, when you get to Jacob, shut up. You got nothing to say. He's my son. You know what? I would just say, let God handle him. God will do a better job, amen? You got a boss at work, that guy needs talking to. I'm gonna, right? Am I the only one ever thought that way? I'm gonna tell him. Who does he think he's talking to? Anybody else said that besides me? Who do you think you're talking? If you had any idea who you were talking to, right? I get out of this car, you see how big I am. You don't want to have that. You know what I mean? That mentality. And we can get puffed up and we can get prideful. We can start thinking it's about us. And that's exactly the man Laban was. We'll see as we continue on. But Jacob need not fall into the same trap. We don't overcome evil with evil. We don't fight, you know, back. We trust God to fight our battles for us. And then he says this, and this is a good testimony. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Laban already knew that. But Jacob wanted to make sure he heard it. And again, I think it's better. You know, the reason you're in trouble is because God's mad at you. You ever done that? See, I told you. See, God got you now. I told you not to do it. Now you did it, and God's mad at you. Ha, ah, well, look what happens. And we can do that sometimes, right? We can almost be happy that God brings down heavy judgment on someone else. You know, isn't it amazing how we want judgment for other people and mercy for us? Amen? Lord, I can't wait till you get that guy. He's, he's got it coming, man. That guy's got it coming. It's coming. I, I hope I'm sitting next to him when it happens, right? And then we blow it. Oh, Lord, mercy, 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 mercy please. But he's letting them know, Jay, you know what? You stole, you, you were the one, you ripped me off. You changed my wages 10 times. Now he does testify of the truth, but I believe in anger is the wrong way to do it. Not God's heart. Lastly, instead of fighting back, we need to trust God to protect us. God has seen his service. God is the one who said he'd provide for him. He did not need to, you know, get into a, a debate about it. Just trust the Lord. Don't go in and debate. Don't go in and argue. Don't go in and fight. Can I say this? Unless God tells you to, don't ever defend yourself. Trust God to defend you. But aren't I supposed to stand up for my rights? Not really. Let God do it. Amen? Finally, instead of fighting back, we need to let God protect us. Verse 43. And Laban answered and said to Jacob. So Jacob goes off on a rant, right? A lot of what he said is true. Pretty much all of what he said is true. The attitude with which he said it wasn't right. The fact that, again, he was kind of pointing to all that he had done. Not the best thing to do. Not the best way to say it. But now he's kind of gone off on his father-in-law. Now his father-in-law is going to respond. He finally has an opportunity. These daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. And this flock is my flock. Do you notice what kind of response you get when you lash out in anger at people? How does he respond in kind? Doesn't he? He doesn't respond with, if he, can you imagine if he said to him, you know what Laban, you're my father-in-law, I respect you. I know God blessed me by bringing me to your family. He gave me your two wonderful daughters as wives. God appeared to me and told me it was time to go home and so I obeyed him. To him be the glory. Do you think we had had the same response? I don't think so. But right, the response we get is response of a man responding to someone who accuses him with anger, and he says, "These are are these statements true? These are my daughters." Well, not anymore. The Bible says, "When you're married, they are to leave your father and mother and be joined to his wife." And that was all, all the way back earlier in Genesis. Right? He told them, "So you shall become one flesh." So guess what? Well, still his daughter in one sense, the greater relationship now was the one with her husband. And that takes precedence. And this from a dad who's got a daughter he loves so much he can hardly stand it. Okay? I love my daughter. I, man, I would die for her. I would die for all my kids. But I also know this, that when I took her hand out of my hand and put her hand into Kevin's hand from that day forward, Kevin has spiritual headship in her life, not me. And I need to be supportive of that. I'm still going to be her dad. I'm still going to pray for her. I'll still help her any way that I can. But I got to come to the point of realization that she now is joined to her husband and they are one flesh. I want to be the biggest encouragement I can to them both. And Laban had said, my daughters, my sheep, my stuff, this is mine. Why? Because he's a fleshly man. Don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. Laban is the self-seeking hypocrite that arrogantly arrogantly states that everything that God had given Jacob is really his. It's not God who provided for you, I did, is ultimately what he is saying. All that you see is mine, but what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born? He's saying, look, they're mine, but what can I do at this point? They're not yours, but better off to let God defend you though. Laban knowing that If he in any way attempted to bring harm or take from Jacob, he's going to face the wrath of God. That's the only thing holding this fleshly man back. It wasn't Jacob's angry words that turned him around. It was the hand of Almighty God protecting Jacob. Guys, it's not our words of bitterness. It's not defending ourselves. It's not us lashing out that's going to protect us. It's the hand of God that protects us. Amen? And Jacob would have been so much better off to let God do it. Then he says, now, therefore, let us make a covenant, you and I. Let it be a witness between you and me. Isn't this amazing? Let's make a promise between you and me. You know what? All you have is mine. It really belongs to me. The other, son you know, said angry. I served you for 20 years, and you're a dog, and you've been ripping me off, and now it's all really mine. Let's make a promise with each other. Doesn't it seem a little out of character here? It really does. It seems out of shape in a lot of ways it really is. But notice how Jacob responds. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took the stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Now remember earlier he had done the same thing at Bethel when God had visited him. And now this was to be a heap of remembrance. Every time it was passed by was to be a reminder of the covenant between Jacob and Laban. And as we're going to see, it's a marker for them. In a sense, okay, Jacob, you stay on your side. I'll I'll stay on my side. And we are never to cross over to do each other harm. We're to stay on our own side. That's the covenant that they're about to make. This is not the kind of covenant you would want to see between a father-in-law and a son-in-law. So Jacob and his brethren, they're the ones that did it. Laban called it Jager, Sehathdua, Sehdutha, but Jacob called it Galed. Now it's interesting, in Aramaic, what Laban called it means the heap of testimony, and what Jacob called it in Hebrew means the heap of witness. Verse 47, 48. And, and Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day, therefore its name shall be called Galed. Again, Galed means witness. Also, Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. What's amazing to me is that the idol-worshipping Laban says, May the Lord watch, may Yahweh, Jehovah, may he watch between you and me while we are apart from each other. Do you know that even an unbeliever can call upon God's name or use God's name? Don't we see it happen? People call him the name of the very God they don't know. They try to use his name for their own personal gain. And that's what we see here. We see a guy who doesn't know God talking about God. The only thing he knows about God is, he has told me if I touch Jacob, I'm in trouble. That's what he knows about him. The God he's worried about is the one that he lost out of his tent. And so his hypocrisy continues. Look at verse 50. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Are you kidding me? Laban says, if you take another another wife, then God's going to see it. Wait a minute. We're supposed to have one wife. Why did he have more than one wife? Because Laban deceived him. And now he's saying, if you take another wife other than my daughters... May God get after you. Requiring that Jacob not afflict his daughters. Who was the one that afflicted his daughters and mistreated them the last 20 years? Laban. He treated them like, like chips to be traded in to get more favors from Jacob and thus from Jacob's God. He did not treat them like daughters. He did not show them kindness. He did not show them love as they testified in the previous chapter. What did he do? He mistreated them He deceived them to being in a a multiple marriage. What kind of dad is that that would want to see his daughters having to share one husband? But now, in his hypocrisy, he challenges Jacob not to do the very things that he has done. These words must have rung hollow to him. It's kind of like a parent who is out of control with anger telling their kids not to be angry. It's kind of like a parent who drinks all the time and gets lit up and tells their kids, oh, it's wrong to drink. It's a parent who mistreats their spouse and tells their kids not to mistreat their friends. Guys, it's a lot more of what we do than what we say. He's exhorting him, don't you mistreat my daughters when he's been mistreating them. Don't take another wife when he's the one that tricked him into taking another wife to begin with. His words, those spoken are godly things have really looked at not to have more than one wife amen to that don't afflict your wife amen to that but coming from a man who it's meaningless because he has no character then laban said to jacob here is the heap here is the pillar which i have placed between you and me this guy can't help but lying. what does it say three verses earlier who put the heap there jacob and his brethren and then what does laban say i put it there he just did it a minute ago can you imagine How hard-hearted must you be? Can you imagine? Can you imagine your wife cooks you dinner? You sit down to eat it, and then you tell your wife how you just cooked dinner for her? I mean, that would be the stupidest thing. That's what Laban just did. You see that heap that's right there? I just put that for us. No, you didn't. They just, oh, man, Laban. You haven't changed. Laban, you're a liar. You're a deceiver. You're a hypocrite. You're unbelievable. Where's the repentance? We don't see any. This heap is a witness. This pillar is a witness. And I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and pillar to me for harm. I find it's interesting that he says, I will not pass this pillar to you, period, you know, stop. And you can't pass it to do me harm. Now, I didn't really get a chance. I was going to try to really look that up in the original language to see if it meant neither of them would do it. But I find it's interesting The for harm comes after Jacob's side of the promise. Again, Laban, he's been a deceiver all along. Some things never change. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor. Nahor? Who's Nahor? Who remembers? He is Laban's father. And so he's, he's, uh, he's lost. He attempts to place the God of, of Nahor, or excuse me, his brother, in parallel with the God of Abraham. Jacob swore by the fear. How does he swear by? He says by the God of Nahor, and the, the God of Nahor is not the God that the true and living God, because Nahor was not serving the true and living God. But look what it says: and the God of their father judge between us. Now that's the true and living God. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. So we got guys swearing by different people, making a covenant with each other. But again, we see the heart of one who's a hypocrite. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. The way it's written, it was possibly that they stayed up all night in worship, in prayer, and in testimony. Notice the difference after the covenant is made. Jacob makes sacrifice to God. Jacob worships the Lord. Jacob Praises the Lord. What does Laban do? Goes to sleep. And look what it says. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. So Laban gets up early in the morning. He does go down and show them some affection. He kisses them goodbye. And guess what? Laban disappears from Scripture. We're never going to see him mentioned again. This deceiver this one who was trying to get over this man who's not being a very godly man in any way he's really an example of a man of covetousness he knew about the true god is that true okay guys knowing about god and knowing god two different things amen people know about god i believe in god what they're saying is i believe there is a god because when people say i believe in god well tell me what that means what does that mean you believe in god had a young man in our church office not long ago. He wants, He's courting a woman who's a Christian, and he says he's a Christian, and he says, I believe in God. I said, tell me what that means. Well, I believe that there's a God. Okay, great. Do you know him? Is he your best friend? Do you have intimate fellowship with him? That's different than you believing there's a God, amen? Well, this is where we are. Laban was a man who knew about the true God, who had seen the reality of God in the life of Jacob, but had never been a reality in his own, who witnessed the power of God and his blessing and protection of Jacob, but still didn't know him, whose own home, his own land, his own flocks had been blessed by God's covenant with Jacob. Nevertheless, he continued to serve the idolatrous false gods of this world above his children and above the true and living God. What a contrast. Laban does not know God. He's a man of the flesh, a man of covetousness. Rather than seeking to follow the God who had clearly revealed himself in Jacob, he merely resented and coveted the blessing that God had given to Jacob. His life is a sober warning to the millions of semi-religious but fundamentally self-worshiping and self-seeking men and women of today. Let me just define that for you and then we'll, we'll pray. Those who seek to use God for their own personal gain. Do you think... How stupid must we be to think we can manipulate God? I'll tell God what he wants, so he'll give me what I want. Do people do that all day? You see them on TV. Just give this to them, and, make it and God will have to... Oh, stop. God knows our hearts better than we do, amen? He knows everything about us. Seek to use God for their own personal gain. Seeking the blessing instead of the one who blesses guys let's stop seeking the blessing and let's pursue the blesser amen Amen? the blessings will follow if he wants them to and even if they don't praise his name anyway let's pursue the blesser not the blessing and we see laban he only wants the blessing that comes with jacob he didn't even care about jacob he just wants the blessing taking credit for god's blessings instead of giving god the glory what happens when good things were happening laban was taking credit this is my stuff this is me this is mine that's the world today taking credit instead of giving God the glory. Guys, let's never take credit. Amen? What should we take credit for? Let me tell you, nothing. What if I do a really good job at work? Should I take credit? No, give God the glory. Amen? Hard to do because we're so focused on ourselves, aren't we? He's filled with pride when he should have been surrendered in brokenness. Every one of us struggles with pride. Amen? We get caught up in ourselves Isn't it interesting, the middle letter in pride and sin is the same letter. It's I. Amen? And in both cases, we get so caught up in ourselves. And Lord, we need to be surrendered. The world is filled with such people. We have our own share in the church and as Christians who not only walk with the Lord in the power of the Spirit, but represent Him, we must not respond to the opposition we face from a lost world of carnally-minded Christians in anger, Don't respond in anger. Don't overcome evil with evil. Don't blow our testimony. Don't harm his name. And we should not fight back. We should not defend ourselves. Did Jesus fight back? He told him to turn the other cheek. Pastor Dave, are you telling me? Look, I'm not saying we shouldn't defend ourselves. Someone comes into my house with a knife going after my kids. They're going to the hospital. I'm just being honest with you. Amen? But I'm going to say, Lord, help, and Lord, help, and you know what? But here's the point. The point is this. When someone attacks my character, I'm going to let God defend me. When someone attacks you at work, let God defend you. Again, if someone comes after you like that, then you just say, okay, Lord, help. But you know what? I'm not going to go out of control. i want to make sure you're glorified. And then finally, we need to respond by love and walk by faith. Amen? When we respond, when the attacks come, do it in love. So we saw the three factors that lead to Jacob's departure. Difficult circumstances, divine direction, confirmation through godly counsel, and then Knowing that when you step out in faith, you're going to face opposition. Jacob first responds by faith. Laban pursues him. The clear conscience of a faithful man we saw. When we're walking with God, we can say, Test me and see. A lost world puts its faith in dead gods. We need to respond to the world's accusations in love, not anger. And instead of fighting back, we need to trust God to protect us. Now, we're going to take a few moments, and here's what I want us to do I'm going to pray. Let's get in groups of three or four people. I just want us to take five or, five or six minutes. Here's what, things I want us to pray for. Number one, continue to pray for Warren Thompson. Guy used to be the children's ministry leader here, him and his wife, wonderful folks. He's in the hospital at Stanford. His heart is not responding. His liver's not responding. His kidneys aren't responding. But our God is greater. Amen? And the greater the difficulty, the greater that we get to see God work. I'm still trusting that God can heal him. How about you? Second of all, we want to praise God for bringing uh, Craig Anderson through his, through his surgery, but let's continue to pray for him. Let's pray for the building situation because we don't want to be anywhere but where God wants us to be. Amen? And then in your group, I want you to share a personal prayer request that you may have. I want you to commit to praying for the other people in your group, not just to tonight, but throughout the week. Amen? And maybe you're here tonight and you don't feel conf- you know, confident or comfortable praying out loud. That's okay. If you just want to stand in the circle and agree, that's okay. I want to encourage you to pray if you can. God will bless it. But I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. And then I want you to do this. If you don't have time to do it right now, if you can't think of them now, as part of your prayer request, share one or two names of people you want to see saved. And pray for divine appointments. Amen? And then I want to encourage you, when you go home tonight or tomorrow, sometime before Sunday, I want you to sit down and write down the names of at least five people that you're burdened to see saved and pray that God would give you an opportunity to witness to them this week. Can our God do that? Start praying for people at work. Start praying for divine appointments in the grocery store. God will bring them. God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. And Lord, we don't want to move until you tell us it's time. And we want to move not only where you want us to go, but with the right heart and the right attitude along the way. Lord, we want to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Lord, we don't want to defend ourselves, but Lord, we want to allow you to defend us. Lord, we don't want to boast in what we have done, but Lord, trust in what you have done. We want to make sure that when people look at our lives, they don't see us, but they see you. Lord, I pray that even when others would heap praise upon us, that we would reflect it only unto you. Lord, we do lift up Warren Thompson to you, Lord. We pray for your healing touch, that you would be glorified. Lord, we continue to lift up Craig Anderson. We pray that you would continue to touch and heal him. And Lord, that he too would be a testimony to your great grace. Lord, we pray about the building situation. Lord, we know that a church is not the building, it's the people. And Lord, the church isn't gonna change, but Lord, if that's the place, either one of those are the places you want us to be, then Lord, bring us there. And Father, because not because we want a bigger building or a better building, but Lord, we want to see your kingdom added to, your name glorified, more ministry taking place in this county that so desperately needs you. And Lord, we pray for divine appointments. We pray for opportunities. And Lord, may we not be so busy about our day that we miss them. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Go ahead and grab three or four people, take four or five minutes, and then I'll close this in prayer again.